I want to welcome those of you who are online joining us for the first time. Man, we are glad you're here. Can we give a good hand and a welcome to our Branchville facility campus? Good morning, gentlemen. It is good to have you. We are so excited that you are here today. Next weekend starts Candy Palooza. It is the best chance, awesome outreach for you to bring your friends to come to church so that they will know Jesus. I am bringing, I could not tell you the person that I admire more spiritually than the person who will be here next Sunday. He is my spiritual mentor, my hero. He is a guy who literally trained me to be a pastor. He was there when I gave my life to Jesus, and he is going to be here next Sunday morning. Uh, preaching on reaching the lost and a clear salvation message. So, look, tell your friends to bring their kids dressed up. They're going to get more candy here than they will going out on Sunday night. All right? I don't care if they come dressed like the devil. Bring them here and pray the devil right out of them. So today, we talked about, we just listened to that song, you know, I'm fine, I'm fine, but I'm not, and we know it. But today, I want to talk to you in the third and final part of all the feels about hurt and how we can move forward from hurt and failure in our lives in order to move towards healing, that we can move on from hurt and failure in our lives so that we can move on to a point of healing in our own lives. Now, basketball is one of the sports that I play. I'm not good at it. I just play it. Okay, I like to play it tonight. We're playing again if you guys want to come. 7.30, shout out, come. It's going to be awesome. But about 10 years ago, I was playing basketball. And since I'm not good, I overcompensate with enthusiasm. And so the ball's going out of bounds. I haven't really contributed to my team very much, so I'm going to do what anybody does. I'm going to jump further than I've ever jumped before, try to jump out of bounds, and swat the ball back, some Michael Jordan move type thing that was going on in my head. In reality, what happened was I jumped out of bounds, got my hand on the ball, knocked it under myself, fell on top of the ball, and my shoulder dislocated and went under my pectoral muscle. Yeah, that's exactly what it felt. So I jumped up like any guy would do, and I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine, and my shoulder's like hanging here. I'm like, I'm okay. I don't know. It's just a flesh wound. Not that big a deal. But you know when the shock wears off, what happens? Okay? I start puking violently right there in front of everybody. I'm like, I'm okay. I'm like, and they're like, are you all right? I'm like, no, I'm not okay. So they take me to the hospital that is close to the church. The problem with you being a pastor is there's never an off moment for you. And let me tell you that there should be somebody in this crowd whose life goal it is to invent a new way to put arms back in their socket. Let me explain. They take a bed sheet and they tie it to your arm. Okay? And that person goes that direction. Now, mind you, my arm is tucked under here. Okay, they take another person with a bed sheet and tie it around your body, and that person goes that direction. So it's some sort of ancient torture device that I'm in, and he's like, don't worry. The doctor says, don't worry. I know him. He goes to our church. He's like, I'm going to give you medicine that's going to help you forget. Okay, so they start pulling me apart, okay, and so the passion of the Christ is happening right in front of everybody, 
and they're pulling me apart, and I drop the word that is like the worst cuss word that you can see, and I'm just like, and so the nurse goes to our church. She's just shutting the door. She's like, Pastor, you shouldn't talk like that. And so I go home. You know, we're making fun of everybody. I haven't let, like, the full extent of the pain I'm in. I'm telling everybody I'm good. We go back to basketball. You know, I'm not playing. I've got my arm in a sling, whatever. I go home, and I take two steps in my house. I shut the door, and I collapse. (laughs) I can't do it. I've been holding up this charade. I'm tough. And my wife's like, are you okay? I was like, no, I'm not okay. My arm was dislocated, and here's what happened. But in front of everybody else, I wanted to tell everybody, no, I'm just fine. I'm fine. I'm perfect. I am perfect the way I am. And a lot of us, when we get hurt, we carry our pain around because we don't want other people to know. We're ashamed what we look like if we told people that we're not okay. That's why the most common answer to how are you doing is, I'm fine. And I have learned in the church, church world that means nothing because I just follow it up with, are you sure? And then everybody starts crying. No. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor, for asking. I was like, I was asking the first time. I didn't know it had to be a follow-up question every time. But the thing is, we're often hurt. And if the truth were told, if we were telling people honestly, we would tell them about our pains honestly. So today we're going to be talking about John, or out of John chapter 21, and we're going to be talking about Peter. Peter is one of Jesus' best friends. He hung out with Jesus for three years. He goes everywhere with Jesus. He is a fisherman. He gets called out by Jesus. They go on a rampage together. The night that Jesus is about to get captured before he is crucified... He is sitting down talking, and one of the most famous times in the Bible you hear is about, one of you will betray me, okay? And that's Judas. But also in that same conversation, Jesus is like, one of you will deny me. And here's Peter. He's like, look, Jesus, I don't care who comes my way. I'm not doing that, okay? Could you imagine having a face-to-face conversation with Jesus and rebuking him? Like, how dare you insult me like it would be me? And Jesus is like, no, I tell you, Peter, that before the rooster crows three times, you will deny me this evening. And Peter again is like, I don't think so. He's like, you must be talking about the wrong guy, not me, Jesus. That's somebody else you're talking about. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what happens in this sequence. So here's what happens. Jesus gets arrested. He gets taken to this courtyard. In this courtyard, they have like a charcoal fire going on, okay? It's important that you learn that charcoal phrase because it's going to come back to bite you here in a second. When they're there at the fire, a guy comes up and says, Peter, hey, you, you're with that guy over there. You're with Jesus. He's like, I don't know him. Don't know who you're talking about. A few minutes later go by, another guy comes up. He's like, hey, 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 guys, look, the guy who's they're yelling at right now, this guy was with him. And he's like, I don't know him. So then a third guy out of nowhere pops up and goes, hey, this guy right here, I know him. He hung out with Jesus for the last three years. 
And Peter gets so fed up, he stands up and he says, I never knew him. And then he hears a rooster crow. And he gets so upset, he takes off crying into the wilderness. He's so ashamed of what he's done that he goes off crying. And he realized no matter how much passion, how much purpose, what Jesus said had actually happened. He had a lot of zeal, but it didn't add up to what he thought it did. And today, we're going to talk about that one of the most amazing parts of this happens in John chapter 21, verse 15, and we're going to read it in a second, how Jesus recreates this moment to restore him and put him back to where he wanted to be. So Jesus, before he ascends to heaven, okay, before he's resurrected, he appears again to Peter. And that's where we pick up this story today. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 21. Okay, it says, I'm going to give you a little bit of background before we read it. Peter has gone fishing again. What has happened? Peter has sinned in his mind. Jesus can never use him again. He's never going to be the man he was, so he does what most of us do. We go back to our old way of living. Peter was a fisherman when Jesus found him, so he's assumed that Jesus can't use me anymore. I'm worthless. I'm nothing, so he goes back to fishing this is who I am now. I'm a fisherman. So he goes back to fishing, and I have no good. So on the shore, they're cooking breakfast. And they're cooking breakfast over a coal, charcoal fire. This is important. Jesus is starting to re recreate something, recreate a moment. So Jesus shows up on the scene, and they're cooking breakfast over this charcoal fire. And what's important is, remember, we had that, that courtyard moment of the charcoal fire where the three independent times he denies Jesus. Peter sees Jesus cooking breakfast. And this is where we pick up the story. It says in John chapter 21, verse 15, it says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, this is Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? It's kind of like a gentle throwback to that night when he's like, hey, everybody, you're going to deny me. And he's like, no, I'm not. I love you because that's what he tells Jesus. I love you more than everybody. And Jesus is asking him the very question that Peter denied that evening. He's like, do you love me more than these? Here's what Peter says. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then Jesus said this, feed my lambs. There's a lot of things happening in this scripture, but one of the things I want you to point out that Jesus doesn't show up in the scene and go, do you feel bad for what you did? Do you feel guilty for what you did, Peter? Do you feel ashamed of yourself? How many of you know that sometimes our feelings get in the way of what God wants us to do and we start doing things that God doesn't want us to do? We start all this guilt and shame, and it builds up, and it builds up more and more, and God's going, I didn't ask you to do that. I didn't come on the scene so that you would have all this guilt. And so when God's trying to heal somebody, he asks them, do you love me? And when we start healing in our life, in order to start healing, we have to accept God's love into our life and accept the fact that he wants to heal us. 
a lot of times we want to be stuck in shame and guilt. We think if we're this guilty, we will be this forgiven. That's not how it works. There is no guilt meter. There is no shame meter that Jesus is going, you shame me this much, you must be this shameful in order to get to that level. That's not how it works. We have to get to the place where we accept his love for the fact it is his love, and we have to start receiving his grace and accepting his healing. Even if we fail, we can still love him. If you're hurting, it's time to accept God's healing in your life. God wants to heal you. God desires to heal you, but if you don't accept it, it's not coming. Some of us will carry around our pain and hurt, and it will kill us inside because we will not accept God's love. My grandmother is one of my favorite people. She passed away a couple years ago. She's my hero. Growing up, we spend the summers at her house. I am her favorite grandchild. She had like 96 of them. I'm by far her favorite grandchild. I got away with everything. I was the youngest forever. And no matter what I wanted, she would just get it for me. We'd spend three months every summer there. Some of you kids don't remember. You know, we had a summer because you live inside. You don't remember what it was like, but... We would spend three months there every summer. And I remember one night I got there, and legitimately, she loved me more than anybody. And whatever I asked just happened. It was like a genie. And I had seen a commercial for G.I. Joe cereal. I was like, I want G.I. Joe cereal. She's like, well, I'm not getting you G.I. Joe cereal. We have G.I. Joe. We have cereal. You can just eat that. I was like, well, apparently you don't know who just asked you. I'm your favorite grandson. Anytime I ask something, you just get it. She's like, I'm not getting it for you. And I got so upset that I packed my stuff in a little handkerchief and I tied it to a stick. And I told her in Spanish, I'm moving out. I'm leaving. She's like, go ahead. I was so, I was, I mean, the shock that just came over me, a little 11-year-old boy, and I just go, and they lived in apartments, and I'm going down the stairs, and I make it like two flights of stairs, and I just sit down. She didn't chase me. This woman who loved me for everything, she just didn't come. And so in my head, I started developing these stories, and no matter what would happen, I'm not going to be accepted back And, you know, at 11 years old, my life is over, and I'm like, I'm going to have to go find another family, and I don't even know anybody in this neighborhood or this apartment complex. Have you ever done something so foolish you didn't know how to approach, how to fix the situation? So, like, she's, like, at the door, and I'm like, hey, it's me. Like, I've been gone forever. And she just puts her arms around me. She's like, I love you. We just can't get G.I. Joe cereal today. I was like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like pouring tears. I'm like, I'll never do that again. I'm just the worst grandchild in the world. I just want to be loved and accepted and, and put into the family again. And she's like, you are really going over the edge with this. And sometimes we do that to God. God is going, I'm not going to unlove you based on what you do. You don't have to come here groveling. You have to come here accepting who I am and who you are to me. You are my child. Nothing changes that.
but a lot of times it's the how. We like to carry around hurt sometimes. Sometimes we carry around that unworthiness. We're not worthy to worship God or to be used by God or to be an instrument in God's hand because of our past or what we've done. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory. Jesus is sitting on the beach with Peter. And here's what happens. In John chapter 21, verse 16, it says, And again, again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. That's twice. Jesus is in the middle of recreating all the things that Peter did wrong, and Jesus is just kind of reaffirming and reestablishing who he is. He's like, do you love me? He's like, yes, feed my sheep. That moment of asking somebody, do you love me? Do you remember being in middle school, and you've had a crush on somebody for the first time, and you wrote that little letter? It's like circle yes or no. And I know people say it's stupid, but that feeling inside was real. And the rejection, I don't know if you've ever been accepted, but I've been rejected a lot. Just getting a no answer is the worst feeling in the whole world. I remember, man, when I went to ask my wife to marry me, okay, it was a year to the day that our first date, we started dating on July 4th. A year later, I was proposing to her. We got back the day before from Africa. She had the African flu. She was puking her brains out. I was like, look, I have put a lot of work into this day. I don't care if you puke your brains out. We're going. So I drive her to St. Augustine, and we're there, and she can barely hear. She can barely see. She's like toppled over. She lost like 30-something pounds due to this thing over six weeks. It just... <laughs> She's still alive, folks. But we're there, and I get down, you know, I've got like that moment thing, and I'm like, hey, and I'm like giving her everything she's got, right? I've got the rehearsed speech. I go three minutes into how much I love her and what she means to me. And at the end, I'm like, will you marry me? And she says, what'd you say? It's like, I'm having a hard time hearing you. I was like, like the whole speech, you missed the whole deal. Of all the things she could have said at that point, what did you say was not what I was expecting. Because I don't know if she means like, no. I don't know if she means like, don't ask me again. Like, hey, this is your way out. Like, get back up. Don't make a fool of yourself. This isn't going to happen. But if I go in for a second time and I get rejected a second time, what am I supposed to do? right? Because it's so vulnerable. It is so opening to go, I love you. When you tell somebody that, you're exposing your heart to them and going, I want to be with you. When you tell Jesus you love him, that is a connection that surpasses something that you will never understand, and that's why you got to let him come in and love you right where you're at. How many of you have ever seen that movie Fiddler on the Roof or the play? Just six of us. Praise the Lord. Some of you need to watch some stuff, okay? There's some good TV out there if you try. And one of the things in that movie that I love so much is a scene where Tobier is talking to his wife. And his three daughters are getting married, but they're getting married for love. 
they're all found somebody they love, and now he's got his wife. He's been married for 25 years, but they were in an arranged marriage, so he doesn't actually know if his wife loves him or not because it was arranged. And some of us, we grew up in church and heard about God's love, but we've never had the conversation. We've never been like, Jesus, do you actually love me? We just assume it, and we've never had the hard conversation. So it might be awkward to those of you who grew up in church to have a conversation with Jesus for the first time and go, do you love me in spite of my selfishness? Do you love me in spite of everything I've been through? Many of you might have grown up in a liturgical atmosphere or something that's kind of monotonous and traditional, and you're going, I don't know this, this relationship style that you speak of, and that's the opening part of going, do you love me? Or are we just walking through this? I want to take you to that moment so that you can experience it for yourself. Let's take a look. Love. Golden, do you love me? Do I what? Do you love me? Do I love you? Well... With our daughters getting married and this trouble in the town. You're upset, you're worn out. Go inside, go lie down. Maybe it's indigestion. Uh, no, Golda, I'm asking you a question. Do you love me? You're a fool. I know. But do you love me? Do I love you? Well... For 25 years I've washed your clothes, cooked your meals, cleaned your house, given you children, milked your cow. After 25 years, why talk about love right now? Golden, the first time I met you was on our wedding day. I was scared. I was shy. I was nervous. So was I. But my father and my mother said we'd learn to love each other. And now I'm asking, Golda, do you love me? I'm your wife. I know. But do you love me? Do I love him? Well? For 25 years I've lived with him, fought with him, starved with him. 25 years my bed is his. If that's not love, what is? Then you love me. I suppose I do. Then I suppose I love you too. It doesn't change a thing. But even so. After 25 years, it's nice to know. It's pretty awesome to think that after 25 years, getting that question answered is very freeing. And many of us that we grew up with hurts and pains with the church and we, we know that Jesus loves us, but we've never had the conversation to say, do you love me? 
and reaffirming with Jesus, I love you too. The third part of this in John chapter 21. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you notice that he doesn't call him Peter at all this time? Peter was his nickname. Peter was Peter's nickname. It actually means the rock. He's the original rock, not Dwayne Johnson. That's the second rock. How many of you have heard, upon this rock I will build my church? Right? It's the rock who spoke the verse that Jesus goes upon this rock. The rock is telling me that this is how I'm going to build my church. So upon this rock, upon Peter and the people who come underneath him and the people who are discipled by him, I will build my church. What do I got to do? Jesus said, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep is just a poetic way of saying, take care of my church. Use your gifts to serve other people. Feed your flock that I've put under you. In other words, get back in the game. I think at this point, Peter has worked up his resignation speech. He's so ashamed that Jesus has to keep asking him the same question over and over again. Listen, God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the call. He doesn't wait till you're perfect. He starts using you now based on your love for him and you accepting the fact that he loves you right where you are. You don't have to be perfect. Back when Jesus tried to change the world, he recruited 12 ordinary people. One who's a fisherman. And he says, upon this rock, upon this ordinary guy, I'm going to build everything that I have. You are more than your past hurts and failures. Do you love him? Let me explain to you how much God loves you. You are not your past. You are not your failures. You are not your worst moments. You are not your sins. You are not your mistakes. You are a child of God. This is what the New Testament, in the Bible, this is what word for word when, when you look up what the New Testament says, when God is talking about you in the New Testament, here's how he describes you. He says, you're a child of God. You're the children of light. You're the members of God's family. You are holy and blameless, standing before God without a single fault. You are God's people. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are the branches that will bear fruit. You are God's field. You are God's building. You are living stones in God's temple. You are a holy priest, a holy nation. You are chosen. You are God's workers. You are Christ's ambassadors. You are true ministers of God united with Christ. You are part of his body living by spirit. You are God's masterpiece. You are faithful ones. You are meant for better things. You are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. You are looking forward to a home that is yet to come. You are God's glory. You are set free from slavery of sin. You are truly free. 
That's how Jesus describes you. The question is, can you love and accept who you are and ask God to love you if you don't accept it fully, if you don't grasp that God loves you right where you are? You won't understand God's full love for you until you fully accept who God says you are. You won't understand it. Maybe you bring some hurt into your life. Maybe you've been hurt by the church. Maybe you've been hurt over and over again. Maybe you just come to church and you've never asked the question, do I love him? Because he loves you. He died for you right where you are, not so that you would change today. Change comes with time, and time comes by spent with him in understanding who he is. God's not looking for perfection. God wants to use your imperfection. If God were looking for perfection, this church wouldn't even exist. We are imperfect people who serve a perfect God and willing to go anywhere God calls us to go. But you must ask yourself this before you do anything else. Do you love him? If you can't affirm that question between you and Jesus, fix that. Because I promise you, he loves you. He will circle yes every time. No matter what you've done, there's nothing that God is afraid of that you are going through or have been through that you can't bring to him and that he can't redeem. That's a beautiful part about Peter's story is that he goes on after the third time. Peter's a little annoyed. And he goes, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He's like, Lord, why do you ask? You know that I love you. Because he was taking Peter back to his worst moment and recreating and going, you denied me three times. I will restore you three times. I'm going to reestablish my relationship with you. You're going to tell me you love me three times so that what you did back there, that shame doesn't follow you today so that you don't ever have somebody going, you're the guy who denied Jesus. Yeah, but I'm also the guy who loved Jesus. You're the guy who hurt, you turned your back on Jesus. That's why when somebody comes to you and tries to point out your past, boldly declare who you are in Christ. You are not your past failure. You are not yesterday's problem. You are today's prodigal. You are who God says you are and nothing else. If somebody points to your past, you point to Jesus and go, go have a conversation with him. Then you come back and tell me who I am. Because I'm in him, I'm more than anything you've ever met. All we have to do is accept that and live like it. 
with every head bowed and nobody looking around, if you'd say today, Daryl, that's me. I've been carrying around pains and hurts from the past. I've been walking with a limp. My failure has kept me, held me back from serving God 100%. I've made mistakes in my past, and I don't know if God can forgive me. God can and will forgive you. All you have to do is ask. If that's you today, will you raise your hand so I can pray with you, saying, I'm, I'm tired of my past. I'm tired of it coming up in my life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. You can put them right down as soon as you raise them. Thank you. I'm tired of my past being something. I want to have my relationship with Jesus. I want every person in this building to pray this prayer out loud like you mean it so that nobody stands alone. Say, Dear Lord Jesus. Come on, pray like you mean it. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you today to be my Lord my Savior, my very best friend. Jesus, today I accept your love and I reject my past, my guilt, my shame. I am who the Bible says I am. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give a good hand to those who just prayed that prayer? When you're in love with somebody, it will change the way you live. It will change the way you act and what you do. And I pray that as you do that today, as you learn to love God and let him love you in return, that you do that. On your way out, man, I want you to invite somebody next week. Fill this place up because I want people to come to know Jesus. That's it. That's all we're doing. We love you guys. Have a great weekend. God bless you.